The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Therapeutic Approach to Growth with your host, Brooke Wagner. Each week, this program will focus on interests and expertise pertaining to special needs individuals and their families. We'll help you open up and connect while sharing powerful information. Now, here is Brooke Wagner. Welcome, everyone, to Therapeutic Approach to Growth. I am host, Brooke Wagner. Our goal of the show is to offer support, resources, and most importantly, hope to the special needs community. And today I have with me Catherine Bovino, RDI Program Certified Consultant and Certified Therapy Dog Handler, and Rick Sylvester, co-owner of Good Dog Autism Companions. And we will be taking a close look at service and therapy dogs, the differences between the two, and how these incredible animals can support and heal individuals with developmental delays. So welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm so happy that we're able to talk about this topic today and just so excited to share more uh, valuable information with our listeners. Uh, Rick, I'd like to start with you. So... We're really excited to um, really learn more about Good Dog Autism Companions. And I know uh, I absolutely love seeing your pictures of your puppies on Facebook. Um, I can't get enough of them. And um, watch them go through that transformation process uh, from when they're first born to you know, graduating into homes. And um, it's just really exciting to, to be able to witness. Um, can you share a little bit more about your background and about Good Dog Autism Companions? Sure. I mean, um, we love to talk about it. So, um, yeah, we um, are, we're an autism family. We have a 15-year-old son, Elliot, um, and we um, have tried just about every mode of therapy um, and biomed. And, um, you know, we've, we think that we've, we've done it all. And so through that um, process, we became what we call, you know, quote, unquote, quasi experts as parents in in the field so you know everything from the diet to hyperbaric oxygen we've we've done all these things so Elliot has been sort of a um, slow responder through all these things and we would say that he's probably just north of moderate on the spectrum diagnosed at around the age of two um, and so through through the years and trying all these things and having you know dogs at home where both Laura and I are She's my wife. She's the executive director of Good Dog. Um, we've had um, dogs throughout our lives and been dog lovers. Um, so, um, back backpedaling here, um, six years ago, Laura went to a um, CCI um, um, matriculation and graduation ceremony. And she came back and she was just... Gaming. We'd lost our dog, Buddy. He was a, a lab, and he was 14, and Elliot loved him. So he passed away when Elliot was about four or five. 
and um, had a great relationship. And so Laura came back from the CCI matriculation and graduation ceremony because one of our friends from L.A. was getting a service dog through CCI. And they're like the biggest service dog organization on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. So, and there's hundreds of people. It's, a, it's, in, a, it's in a church and there's um, matriculation is when the puppies, there are families that ra- volunteer to raise puppies, then hand them over to the trainers and the dog goes into its final training phase for um, becoming a service dog. So she comes back and she's just, you can tell she's been bawling. I mean, it's just this most emotional. And she comes back and she couldn't stop talking about it for literally for like two weeks, just on and on and on and on and on. And if you know Laura at all, it's like you, once that train's on the train, you're not stopping that thing. That train's fired up and going, she's, this is okay. I guess this is what we're going to do next. <laughs> and so, um, and so we started looking into it and, researching and um, little did we know that the CCI regional headquarters was just around the corner from our house's walking distance so you know we applied to CCI and you know we say luckily for us we got rejected because Elliot although he loved our own dog um, was sort of fearful of, of other dogs especially little ones because they'd come up and then have little claws and he'd like to wear shorts and barefoot all the time they'd scratch him so on the application it said you know, is he afraid of dogs? Well, you know, sometimes when we think that kind of, you know, set us on a different path. So then we went looking for other organizations, and we came across a, uh, a couple in Northern California. And we really liked their program because one of the things that they would do, um, as opposed to some of the other bigger organizations uh, raising and training um, service dogs, is they would come out to the house when it was time to transfer the dog over and have the dog in the home, they would actually come out and they would put us through the canine good citizen test and do all those things and get us up to speed while they transfer handlership over to us as the family. Um, So we really liked that and we got involved with them and went through the, you know, two year process about of um, getting our service dog trained for Elliot. And so after they came and the dog was delivered to our home, Elliot, of course, was ecstatic. You know, mm-hmm. the dog mm-hmm. came in and we, you know, we were prepping him the whole time and getting him ready for Orbit's big arrival at the house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as soon as he was there, knocked on the door, it's Orbit! <laughs> you know, he's not a really excitable kid. So it was a really, it was a great, a great moment. Mm-hmm. And um, so um, that's what, what, you know, kind of got us going in the, the whole area of um, service doghood, if you will. And um, from there on, we discovered things that were so so much more than we ever expected with a service dog. You know, of course, there's the, you know, you can go out, you have public access. And with an autism service dog, there's, you know, several different ways that the dog can mediate the disability, right? So we knew about all those things, and that's what we had um, anticipated. But once we went out into, started going out into public and we saw the changes in public with the dog, you know, mm-hmm. in our in our environment, because, you know, if you're a family with autism, and as you know, different families with autism, you can go out. And it can be a very stressful um, situation and experience for you. Going to a grocery store, going out, you know, in public anywhere, to a park, to Disneyland, um, you can um, encounter very different and sometimes difficult situations, both you know within your own dynamic of your family, but also from the public when you come up against some of the things and they don't understand and um, you can get a lot of judgment and you can get ridicule ridicule and it can make you feel and your child feel really unwanted in public you know so one of the things that we discovered 
you know, in our big Disneyland stories, we go, we went out into um, the park and um, Elliot's a big, you know, he likes, he's, he's, he stems and flaps and he's very loud. He's got big vocal cords, so, you know, it can startle some people. And so we'd get a, a lot of negative um, reactions from people in those types of places. Okay, so we, we bring Orbit for the first time into Disneyland. We're really excited because he can go on the rides, you know. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but he can go on all the rides that Elliot wants to go on, mm-hmm. like, you know, Casey Jr. Train, and he can go on the Snow White ride. And um, <laughs> it's small world, you know, Orbit's on the boat with us, cruising through small world. It's, it's awesome. It. <laughs> awesome. He's right there, you know, he has to get on the floor. He can't sit up on the seat. But so, you know, that aspect, <laughs> that, that, that change and just having him along and having Elliot just beaming because he's so confident with his dog now, whereas before he was more timid out in public. Um, but the, the biggest change, I would say, is walking through the park. And having, um, Elliot's not the main handler. When you're a team, you're a, you're a parent handler and a, a child, each, you know, two leashes onto the dog's vest. And so walking through, um, you might, we, Elliot would flap or he would be loud. He'd be verbally loud, you know, and normally we'd get some, like, attention from people with weird looks on their faces. They'd look at Elliot and they'd look down and see that he had a service dog. And, and instead of that weird, not understanding, judgmental energy coming at us, we would get, oh, look how great it is. He has this service dog. How wonderful that this family, you know, can do that and run on the side of his vest, his good dog autism companion. So they, they put it all together right away. And that changes the entire nature, you know, of that experience mm-hmm. for us. Wow. And we're like... You know, that happened going through on the first day, and Laura and I both looked at each other after about, you know, two hours of this constantly, and some people would come up, and they would, you know, verbally say, how great it is. I mean, is that a, that's an autism service dog, and they would be friendly and outgoing, and it also would add, you know, like a, a social bridging aspect for Elliot, whereas he was really like, you know, fearful of people coming at us. Now he's got his dog, he's got more confident, mm-hmm. and you know, people would ask him about his dog, not that he, you know, is, is able at this point to be very, <laughs> carrying on a big conversation with people, but it gave him that comfort level in public to, to interact and provide that social bridge for him. Mm-hmm. So all these things coming at us on the first day out at mm-hmm. Disneyland, we were just astounded, you know. Mm-hmm. And so going forward a few more months, um, the trainers would check in with, hey, how's it going? Because, you know, the first several months of getting a new dog and there's this transition period where you're bonding and learning about you know being together as a as a team uh they said well what would you guys think you guys have so much you're so intensely involved in the community in the autism community and you've done so many things and we're just we're dog trainers we don't you know this is all foreign to us all the things you talk about you know rdi and you know Mm -hmm. all the types of therapeutic things that you're you're going through it just you know it's like speaking a different foreign language to us so would you guys like to get together and figure out how we might be able to provide this on a on a little bit bigger scale and provide service dogs you guys can kind of be the liaison and we'll be the trainers so that's how good dog autism companions was born we we got together with professional trainers very experienced um and great people and so we we launched the organization and decided that the best um um, way to organize it was in a nonprofit, you know, because we had, when we got Orbit, these dogs are, are you know, fairly expensive to train and, and, and acquire. I mean, it's right. a 
it's a big it's a big process to go through the program. And so we Laura started a um, a website called Will Work for Dog. <laughs> and we had all kinds of products to help us, you know, provide the funding for Orbit while we were, you know, going through the training process to pay for it when it was all done. And so um, all those people that got involved at that point, you know, because we were we were bringing community in to try and help us fund for Orbit, all those people came in and they wanted to know. When Orbit came home, we had all these people from the community, we want to know how it goes, you know, because Autism Service Dogs a fairly new area. Right. You know, in uh, therapeutic um, modality. So, um, so we started a blog, you know, and we would mm-hmm. we would be really open about you know our our experiences, both as parents and how we thought it was going with Ellie. And we'd describe the Disneyland situation and what it was like for us and the changes and epiphanies that were happening. And all these people were like, wow. So, um, we thought, okay, well, maybe this is you know something viable that we can do with these with these trainers we should really think about you know seriously about you know committing to this and, and doing it and so we you know formed the organization people are already interested because of the blog and it was our way um, to to kind of give back and help um, all these families you know through, through our history we've been like mentors with different organizations for families that are newly diagnosed and we've been, we've been doing all these things to try and help and we're like you know, this could be a great way for us to, like, you know, bring all these people in um, and and help them um, through through the dog. You know, mm-hmm. kind of gave us this this means of access and a way to help all these families. So, you know, after we placed a couple of dogs, it was it was <laughs> lights out. <laughs> it's like forget this is our thing. We we have we have to do this. There's just it became such a, um, a just a labor of love. You you just you you see the transition from the families um, after you place the dog and, and and just like our Disneyland story. There's they're just the stories are just you know incredible um, moms that would. After a week, say, I spent the night in my own bed for the first time in five years. Wow. I don't have to, you know, go in because, you know, if her child was getting up every night and for various numbers of reasons. And she's like, now the dog provides the sensory input mm-hmm. and, and the, the comfort for my son in his bed. And I don't have to, you know, be there with him because he'll wake up and, and you know, right. get overwhelmed with, you know, fear, anxiety of waking up in the middle of the night and being alone. So, yeah, so after five years, she got to sleep in her own bed and get a full night's sleep for the first time because the the good dog was was with her son and slept in the bed with him all night long. Mm -hmm. And so those stories just kept rolling in in addition to all the the success and the phenomenal things that were happening with with Elliot. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of confirmed, you know, our path and and what we were doing. And so um, it's been six years since Orbit. So wow. that's how long the organization's, you know, been going on five and a half. Um, and we have uh, successfully placed uh, about 20 dogs um, wow. in, in home so far. And probably, I, I, I mean, I'm losing tracks that they're coming in so fast. Now probably, you know, 15, 20 more in the, you know, it's just growing so, so exponentially mm-hmm. fast, you know. So, um yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the the history of how things got going. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, um, we're you know we're two three person 
organization plus volunteers. So right. uh, officially, in terms of the, the size and trying to manage things as we grow it, Good Dog Autism Companions is Laura as the CEO. Of course, she's a board of directors for a nonprofit, and we have on staff um, Samantha Mack, who's our lead trainer, mm-hmm. and myself, and I volunteer. And you know, wear many hats and volunteer for everything. And so that's um, and it's and it's a lot, you know. It's a, mm-hmm. it's these 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 programs. They're 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 growing, and you know, as you guys know, it's every family is unique and requires a different level of support. Right. And so we and we want to provide that support. Um, we want to be able to um, custom train a dog, of course, with all the basic commands and the public access commands and all those types of things. But we also want to be able to provide the support to each and every family. So. Um, it's kind of like we learned early on that sort of good dog autism, autism companions is it's a service dog. We train service dogs and provide service dogs, but we're also like in the consulting business too. Mm-hmm. We provide you know mentoring and consulting for parents who call up and say, you know, my child's two, I just got diagnosed. I'm thinking about a service dog, and we um, provide you know a free a chat service. Laura mm-hmm. provides a free chat service, and say, okay, let's talk about where you are in your life with autism, the things that you might be looking at based on our experience. You know, we can talk about dogs, parent to parent. We can talk about autism and the different things you might be. So sort of just like this open forum for um, parents to come in and talk about whatever it is they want to talk about. And in addition, ask about anything service dog. Uh, Laura will openly talk about any, any type of organization, you know, fundraising, any of those types of things. It's completely... Um, on the table for discussion. Well, I love that. I love that. And I just loved hearing your whole journey. I did not know, you know, your journey and um, until now. And it was a beautiful story. And what I love is that it organically happened and not, you didn't even know that you were going to bless so many lives and how you were going to bless them, you know, and giving the the parents the opportunity to get a good night's sleep (laughs) as one of them. Um, It's such a gift. And, you know, it's just so exciting to hear how you're really touching lives, um, not just with the dog, but just beyond that, just going into the community. And it's just a really, it's a family blessing. Um, that's kind of what I'm getting from your story. Um, so um, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about the differences between therapy dogs and service dogs so we can kind of clarify that for the listeners. So um, with that, we'll uh, take a few minute break and we'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show & Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk 
with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Therapeutic Approach to Growth. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also reach Brooke Wagner via email to bwagner at tagforgrowth.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back, uh, host Brooke Wagner here, and I have uh, Catherine Bovino and Rick Sylvester. And uh, before the break, we were um, we mentioned that there is a difference between therapy dogs and service dogs. And I know many people are confused about the difference and may not even know that there is a difference. So, Rick, if you could just touch briefly on the differences for a moment, that would be great. Sure. There's there's two big differences really. Um, pretty simple once you, um, you know, kind of get past the confusion of the, the labels. Um, but basically, a, a therapy dog is um, has one therapy handler, a certified therapy handler, and that dog will go to a facility like yours, a speech facility or a hospital or a resting home, and it will have one handler that takes that dog to see many, many different people. So it's a it's a dog that has you know a wide range of let's call them clients through the one handler and that dog goes to work with their one handler every day or as often as that person goes out and, and provides therapy. That's a therapy dog. Um, a, a service dog, on the other hand, has one specific person that they're teamed up with. Um, you know, in, in case it, for autism service dogs, it's a team, it's a parent and and the child, but the, that's that's kind of the main difference is a lot of people that you're serving versus the one specific and the dog is trained um, specifically to work and mediate the disability for that one person. Okay. So Elliot has a service dog and then a therapy dog would be, you know, someone that goes with a a trained therapist out to see many people. Okay. That's perfect. That's a really good explanation. Second, second thing is um, real quickly, the, the service dog has um, public access rights by ADA law. That's American okay. with Disabilities Act, right? And whereas a, a therapy dog needs permission to go into to a restaurant or a you know store or from the ownership of the place, right. the the service dog and their their handler their person is allowed by law mm-hmm. to go into those stores, and they can't be they can't be you know not invited in because law protects them. So okay, those are the two big big. Yeah, that helps. That helps. I haven't heard that description before, and that really helps to clarify. So thank you for for sharing that. Um, Now, you mentioned the specific training. It would be nice to hear just a little bit more about the specific training that your dogs go through as service dogs. Okay, sure. Um, You know, as as 
families and those of us involved in the um, autism community know, and we say, if you've met one child or family with autism, you've met one because everyone is so unique and, and different in the way that they present and their, and their needs. Um, and so, you know, we have to take that into account when we train our dogs. So we get, we go out, um, Laura and I go out and we have chosen specific breeders that are um, breeding mostly labs for um, specific temperament, you know, because even within breeding, there's a whole, you know, level Mm -hmm. of, (laughs) level of (laughs) um, sophistication there. So, as opposed to labs that might be hunting dogs, for instance, and have a whole different temperament. We try and right. get lines that are more, you know, marshmallow dogs, as we call them, or dogs that have more of a um, uh, temperament with empathy, you know. Right. Um, and so we go out and we hand select. We go out and we have puppies climbing all over us, and we put them through a whole test, um, uh, a personality test while they're puppies, which is, which is tough, but it's the best we can do to try and figure out which of these actually has a temperament that might best be suited to be an autism service dog. So that's it. That's at eight weeks. So we go out after they're born. So they're eight week puppies. We go out, we test the litter and we usually come out with one or two or three different pups that we think can be put into the program as recruits. Mm-hmm. And um, then it branches off into, they either go to a puppy raiser. That's a volunteer family that has agreed to take the dog and put him through um, obedience classes and things like that. So the dog learns his basic, you know, obedience skills and what it's like to be with a family, or we can give it to an apprentice trainer mm-hmm. at about eight, nine weeks. And then the apprentice trainer takes over and, um, or we can give it to a um, finishing trainer from the time they're puppies. So there's three different ways that we actually get the dogs into the program mm-hmm. at a year. They all, they all go to a professional trainer for finishing. And that's when we specifically start to um, employ the, the, the unique things that the dog might do to help mediate the specific child and family's needs for their, for their disability. Um, and we use the Bergen University of Canine Studies methodology, which is all positive-based training. Mm-hmm. So in a, in a real simplistic way, you know, dogs can be trained with uh, n- negative reinforcement. So that's like prong collars you may have seen or even in extreme shock, shock collars. They use them a lot like, you know, extreme like police dogs and stuff like that and then there's bergen university which is all positive reinforcement verbal correction no leash correction at all um and we we think that the reason that we do that is because we are really looking for as i said the dogs with a lot of empathy and we want to create that personal bond when you start employing fear as a means as a means of relating to your humans you start to erode that 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 nice bonding, loving bond, um, you know, non-judgmental love that a, a dog can provide to that person. So we employ that um, that method of training that's been very successful for us. It's not as it's not the quick route. Those other routes are very quick, and you get obedience, but you don't get that nice strong loving bond. So right. that's, oh, our, that's our methodology of choice. Yeah. And that's what we're, our kids really need, mm-hmm. you know, is that loving, supportive, empathetic companion. So yeah. it's beautiful. It's worth that extra time to put in. It, it is. It's so worth it. I mean, it's a little bit more effort on, you know, on our behalf and our training. And also when the dog, when we transfer that training to the home, we have to be involved and the parents really need to um, become actively engaged in our, um, handler process we have a week-long process where the parents come in and we put them through you know boot camp as we, uh-huh. <laughs> as we call it internally uh, and so we put them through a week-long 
boot camp um, when it's time for their dog to, to come home and um, to make sure that when they take the dog home that everything's going to be smooth and you get home and, you know, dogs like to challenge their emotional beings just like us. Right. You know, they get into a new environment and stuff's going to happen, so we need to be there for them and make sure that they're, you know, successfully, you know, growing with their dog and learning to, um, you know, be with their be with their new service dog in that environment going going forward. Oh, that's great. It's yeah. a very supportive process. Yeah. Making sure everybody's successful. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, just, just you know, as an aside too, one of the things that we do during our process is once a dog's about a year old or a little bit more, we go through a personality matching. Because mm. just like with people, you know, we do personality tests and it's a lot easier if you can figure out, hey, you're this type of person I can, I know how to relate to you, right? Mm-hmm. So we put our um, our families, the main handler, through a, a matching test and we kind of map them out on a, mm-hmm. on a grid and say, okay, this is the type of person you are, you're, you know, more... You know, you're more of a, a driver. You're more uh, an amiable person, and we're going to plot you on this graph because we want the dog to, to, to be matched right with you. You don't want a dog that's more, um, you know, n- needy at home. You want a dog that's always a little bit less needy than the person. And mm-hmm. so we do this this intricate, sort of sophisticated matching process so that we make sure that you know there's not we don't we don't need that um, problem. Right. You know, to, when, when they're trying to transition home and get everything going, we don't need you know a, a personality conflict. So we we add that in to make sure that you know we're we're um, doing the best we can to make sure that it's a it's a nice fit for the family. No, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I had no idea it was such a systematic process. <laughs> it's, it's way more involved than you think. It's so way more involved. The surface it looks like you're just, you know pairing up a cuddly new friend. Exactly. <laughs> but that's that sounds like you're you're very detailed and and you have a very clear process you go through to set them up for success. Yeah, exactly. Which is wonderful and so yeah. important because we know that our our kids on the spectrum, you know, need that consistency and, you know, really need to be, you know, when a dog comes in, I'm sure they, it's important that that dog work out well and that they don't have to go through switching or, you know, that kind of process. So, um, it sounds like it's, it's really a well-run system that you've got going yeah. <laughs> and fun too. It, it is. Um, Okay, I would love for our listeners just to learn more about the process that they would need to go through to apply for one of your dogs. Um, you could share just uh, briefly about what that entails and how long it typically takes from the start to finish process. Sure. Um, well, I'll, I think I mentioned before we start with a um, a, a free chat, and so um, Laura has this automated system. If you go onto um, gooddogautism.org, there's a connection to signing up for a free chat. And you get in the queue for a free chat, and you can, again, talk with Laura about anything autism. And, of course, she's there to talk about, you know, service dogs and the whole service dog arena. So anything you want to know as a, as a parent, um, she'll talk to you about that. Um, so, you know, whether it's, you know, our experience or her experience with speech, and if she can add any help in that area, if you want to know about service dogs, you want to know about all the other organizations and those types of organizations and what they do and why we're different than those organizations and what they do different than us, then she'll just be openly telling you all that so that if it is a service dog and during the course of the conversation, if that's the, the direction that, that is agreed that you might want to go, then you, know, then you can get on that path. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's sort of the consultative part of you know, the, the process and how it gets going. If it's decided that the good dog program is right for you, then you apply. There's an application process, and you, you know, get our application online. You fill that out. It comes back in, and it goes in front of our board, 
you know, and they kind of look at everything and make sure that so it's a double check to make sure that, you know, it's 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 right for you. And there's another set of eyes other than, you know, Laura and, and myself that they all look at and, and discuss it and decide, OK, you're, it's, you know, you're approved or you're not for these reasons. Um, so that takes another, you know, couple of weeks. Um, and then if you are approved, you start fundraising. So, again, we're a nonprofit organization. Um, all of the money that comes in is from you know, donors. And so we ask that the family raise half of the funds to complete, you know, their service dog training program Mm -hmm. all the way through that boot camp that I talked to you about. So um, they start fundraising. And once they reach half of their fundraising goal, and this gets a little complicated, but once they reach half of their fundraising goal, we acquire, um, they get onto the list for a puppy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so that all depends on how well they can fundraise, how good okay. of fundraisers they are. So that's the minimum requirement. And just kind of as a side to this, too, because this is a really neat part of what we do and, and another completely unexpected aspect. Because when we were raising money and we had no prior experience running a nonprofit organization, we built and run marketing organizations, but not, not uh, a nonprofit. So we're like, oh, we have to go and ask people for money, and it's going to be fundraising, and, you know, that's, you know, oh boy, you know. Mm-hmm. Like so um, we had a different experience, you know, because we had all this outpouring of support and all that. But now going forward, we're going to ask the, the families to fundraise, and they're going to go through the same thing. So let's provide that level of support. And so some people say, well, let's plunk down the whole amount. Some people have the means to do so. They'll plunk right. down the whole amount of money. We'll get on the list right now. Yeah. Um, and in the beginning, we would we would do that, but we we shortly um, realized that the families that were fundraising got this community support, mm-hmm. and and people come out of the woodworks and said, "I didn't know how to help you. This is so amazing. I'm so glad you're getting a service done, and I'm glad you asked because families can become very isolated. I mean, right. going back to what I was talking about, the Disneyland experience. You do that enough times, and you get that negative experience. You're gonna you're gonna withdraw, right? right. You know, I don't need to go out and have that type of turmoil. Right. In my life, I got enough on my plate now that I don't need other, you know, exactly. judgmental people coming out. So one of the things that happened when we when we started forcing people to fundraise, even if they had the money to do so, we said, no, trust us, you will love the experience. So we're going to give you a minimum fundraising requirement to go out and at least engage the public and ask mm-hmm. and have have that amount of support, love and support coming at you. because. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really for us, even as the secondary, to see that love and support and them coming back and saying, you can't believe by mm-hmm. all my neighbors and my family and people I haven't talked to coming out and just, you know, gushing over it, this great thing that we're doing. So that became part of our program, too, was this fundraising, this fundraising piece of it. Um, oh, that's beautiful. Uh, another amazing part of it. Yeah, another, I, yeah. that's, it just, how can you not do this? So... Um, and so that, um, that piece, that, that fundraising piece comes in and then, uh, about, um, I would say the, the entire process, once you reach your halfway point of fundraising is about 18 months to two years. Okay. So we, we get a dog, we do the matching with you. We, we, we get to a year with your puppy, um, that's matched. And then we go into the specific training and that, you know, takes another six to eight months to do the finishing training where a professional trainer actually, 
you know, finishes the dog and gets the dog ready for the specific family that's going to. Okay, so, great. Well, that's good for families to know um, yeah. that, that it can take uh, that amount of time and it's a process, but it sounds like a beautiful process that they get to start benefiting from from the beginning, mm-hmm. um, which is another neat blessing. Um, that's wonderful. Um, I'd like to shift gears here and talk about therapy dogs. Um, Catherine, let's start with just sharing a little bit about your background. Okay. I've been working with individuals with autism and their families for about 12 years now. After I got my bachelor's in psychology, I knew I wanted to do something to help kids. And I started off as an ABA therapist or tutor in a school for autism. And I worked in center and home-based programs as well. And in 2006, I learned about RDI from a colleague and saw the amazing work that she was doing. And it really just seemed like the missing piece to all of the trainings that I had done and all the work that I was doing. So I started my RDI certification um, and it really shifted my approach to working with children and their families. And during that time, I also was certified as an infant toddler developmental specialist and I worked um, providing early intervention services to families. Um, And then I joined TAG in 2012 because I was really excited about the collaborative approach and the ability to work with such a great group of professionals. So since I've joined TAG, uh, I've obtained my master's degree in applied behavior analysis with a certificate in autism. And in addition to that, I've really learned so much from the families that I've worked with and the children that I get to encounter, um, and as, as well as the amazing staff that I get to work with every day. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and you mentioned TAG for our listeners who don't know what TAG is. Uh, it's our local agency here in San Diego, Therapeutic Approach to Growth, and we offer comprehensive services. And um, one of our team members is Nala. Mm-hmm. Um, so share a little bit about who Nala is, Catherine. So Nala is my pet, my dog, uh-huh. and we have uh, worked together to be trained as a therapy dog team. So I try to bring her into the office whenever I can. Mm-hmm. And... Um, have her engage with clients and, and families while she's here. And what, what led you to uh, train Nala? Well, before we even got Nala, my husband and I had talked a lot about how awesome it would be to have a therapy dog and include her in our work that we both do. Um, and so once we got Nala and started training her and working with her, we saw that she would really be able to learn uh, and really be able to take on that, that job with us. Um, so, you know, after working with the kids with autism, uh, we just thought it would be a great fit. And actually, I don't know if Rick and Lauren know this, but it was Orbit and Rick coming into the <laughs> office that really set me in motion to start our training. And that was definitely the catalyst to our process and, and starting that. So that's so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Another yeah. blessing, Rick, that, um, you guys have brought yeah. to the table. Well, and so I love that story too. Of coming uh, that's in wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take a quick break and um, we'll be back to talk more about it. So we'll be back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Transformational healing includes energy medicine as well as hands-on healing. Tune in every week to Transformational Healing with Dr. Bonnie Morrow. If you want to know more about the business and science of energy fields, chakras, and the medical and spiritual community, join our expert guests as we work together to bring you closer to your personal health vision. 
Transformational Healing is heard live every Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Biohacking for Health is working with your individual biology to gain access to and control over the systems within your body. It allows you to explore your biology and improve health and wellness. Each of us has unique genetic profiles and physiology that require individualized approaches. On Biohacking for Optimal Health, Dr. Daniel Stickler and his expert guests provide a roadmap to navigate the world of biohacking human potential. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Therapeutic Approach to Growth. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also reach Brooke Wagner via email to bwagner at tagforgrowth.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back. I'm host Brooke Wagner here, and I have Catherine Bovino and Rick Sylvester. And prior to the break, we were just talking about um, what led you to training Nala, Catherine. Um, it'd be great to hear a little bit more about what that training entailed. Okay. Well, it was many evenings and weekends working with Nala and practicing our skills and taking her into different settings that would allow us to be there and. Um, We attended several different classes and worked with trainers um, to help us to know what to practice. So we we did the puppy training with her, obedience training, when she was really young. And then we did the basic obedience training when she was older. After we passed that class, we were able to take the canine good citizen, which I know Rick had mentioned earlier. So we did that. And then we went on to do a therapy dog class. Um, For the therapy dog certification that we did, you needed the canine good citizen and you needed to pass their uh, control evaluation that they did. So we took a therapy dog class and learned um, all the different types of things that we might encounter in a therapy situation, which included loud noises or people behaving unexpectedly, uh, walking kind of differently or banging into things or making noises, um, wheelchairs, uh, food on the ground that she had to leave because it might have medication in in it, so we, we worked on all of those skills, learned what we might encounter, practiced that. After all of that, then we were eligible to take the Love on a Leash therapy dog control evaluation. So once you pass that, you can start supervised visits with uh, Love on a Leash. And so we did our 10 visits that they require successfully, mm-hmm. and we visited rehabilitation facilities, group homes, uh, better, a veteran group therapy Uh, reading programs at the library for kids and so once you're done with that then you you're certified and you just have to keep up with your training and continue to to have visits oh that's wonderful that's wonderful that you had so many great different opportunities to go out and Mm -hmm. support the community um, with all that that training it'd be great to hear a few reasons why some of your clients here at tag might request nala so i know you've been uh, requested to support various different situations and um, it'd be nice to hear a little bit more about that piece sure so there are many reasons why a client might want nala in their sessions um, just for parents in general having her there if they enjoy dogs 
can be it can be very therapeutic. You know, I have some parents that become upset talking about some of the situations they're encountering and what they're going through, and to have Nala there for them to pet or comfort her can be a really just great thing to have uh, for the kids um, and teens. Having a dog around automatically creates that social connection. I think Rick talked about that a lot and that emotional connection between people. And uh, it can increase their ability to experience share. I know just for me going out into public with her, it's an automatic social connection that people just come up and talk to you and they're interested. And um, just like Rick was saying with, with Elliot, so I think... Um, you automatically have that social connection. So here at TAG, I've had peer matches. So that's two developmentally matched peers uh, where we've had Nala in the sessions and they laugh and giggle and they're talking Mm -hmm. about Nala to each other, having conversations, talking to Nala, Mm -hmm. joking and playing with her. And it just automatically is just this playful, social, great interaction just because of the dog's there. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also worked with uh, kids and teens that aren't as open to experience sharing and and talking about their ideas and thoughts and feelings. So having Nala there just makes it easier to open up and they feel more comfortable and more confident in sharing. Um, So, and and confidence is a huge piece, just having her there to even work on um, practicing training her, walking her, brushing her, taking care of her. It just gives them that confidence to feel like they can really make a contribution um, and, and, it, it can build that for them. So, and the last one um, that I can think of is is fear is a big one. Um, having Nala involved when an indi- individual is fearful of dogs, um, that has been really helpful in desensitizing them. And we can work proactively with using social stories and photos of her at first, talking about her, reading books about her, um, and then gradually exposing the client to Nala where they might just watch through the, the window Uh, They might watch from down the hall. They might just watch me walking her and doing tricks with her just so they they become more comfortable and then gradually move closer and do more with her. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I'm glad you mentioned that um, that last piece of uh, being afraid of dogs. Uh, We have a caller and um, she is one of your past clients. And I know you supported her family um, in that area. So um, we have have the ability to hear her story and and have a firsthand um, experience to share with our listeners. So are you on the line? Yes, I am. Okay, great. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for calling in today. No problem. Uh, It'd be wonderful for our listeners just to hear more about your experience uh, working with Nala and uh, the process that uh, you went through um, with your son to um, help him with his fear. Sure, yeah. I have two kids. Um, They are now eight and six, and I think we started working with Nala maybe it was two years ago. Catherine, I I can't exactly remember. Mm -hmm. Um, My eight-year-old is on the spectrum, and my um, six-year-old is is typical. And um, my eight-year-old, at about two years of age, had uh, experience with a dog that scared him, and that sort of seared a memory into his mind, and he just didn't want anything to do with dogs and was very, very fearful. If we saw a dog 50 feet away, he wanted me to pick him up. We couldn't go anywhere where there was a dog. Um, And, you know, it became fairly limiting, particularly as our other family members have dogs, and uh, we lived far away from them, and so we would want to go and spend a week at their house and couldn't go because... Um, of the dog or we had to really put them out to have the dog put somewhere else while we were visiting. 
And then my younger one started kind of just by association picking up on some of his fears. She, um, she liked dogs, but she also started to become very nervous around them and um, just not, not very comfortable. Um, so Catherine suggested that maybe we give it a try with Nala, and so we did that. And um, my son initially was pretty nervous and, and didn't want to get close, but he was intrigued and so the kids would sit a uh, distance away from Nala and just watch Catherine and watch Nala. And um, we would meet, I think, every other week. And um, gradually they got to the point where, you know, my daughter's completely over her fears. She would lay on top of Nala pretty much. <laughs> um, and my son, you know, he, he still to this day doesn't like to pet a dog's head. But he, you know, he would pet Nala's tail. He would brush Nala. He would sit with Nala. Um, you know, it really made a difference for him. It gave him that controlled exposure repeatedly over time and figuring out, you know, what this dog is, is all about. And um, we've moved away since, and it's been up and down, um, but he's at a place now where we are able to spend time with friends' dogs, and he still needs an element of control. He still needs to know that either the dog is listening to the owner or the dog is on a leash, but he can be in the same room as a dog now. And if I remember, Catherine, I think that was sort of my goal, was not that he become a dog mm-hmm. lover, but that he be able to be in the same room as a dog. And yes. that, has, that has happened. And um, this past summer, we were able to go to a concert and sit in the grass where there were people with dogs on blankets everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I turned to my husband and I said, we could not have done this a few years ago. You know, my oh, son was mm-hmm. able to sit there and enjoy the concert and not be freaking out because there were, there were dogs around. And and now he's gotten to the point where dogs are his absolutely favorite thing in the world. He's still, like I said, a little scared, won't pet their heads. But in his mind, he loves dogs. We're reading a book about puppy training every night. He wants a dog. He's asking for a dog. He sleeps with four stuffed dogs. So it's, it's, really, it's really been positive for us. Oh, that's so awesome. beautiful. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that that no story. Worries. And and it sounds like it's, you know, really enhanced your quality of life um, to, has, yeah. you know, to, to go into the community and, and and his as well of just being, you know, more comfortable and not being um, as fearful and feeling, mm-hmm. you know, confident. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. A dog's, you know, really bless so many lives mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in many ways. And I, I, we can't wait to hear uh, when you are able to get that dog and, and your success with that experience as well. Yeah, I, I think the kids are more ready for it than we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to bring even more blessings to your life, I can just imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you so much for calling in. We really appreciate you. you sharing with our listeners and um, have a wonderful day. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So um, speaking of success stories, uh, it would be great, Catherine, if you could share just a few more um, case studies and success stories you've had here at TAG. Okay. Well, that one was a a great one to hear, definitely. Um, I have had uh, one particular teenage boy that I can think of that was really resistant to having a conversation with me to saying anything during our sessions, just kind of shut down uh, a lot of the time. Um, Just the the experience sharing piece was not there. So it made it really difficult for us to set goals together. And that was our goal was to work on goal setting. And it's hard if someone's not open to to sharing and connecting and and talking about those things. So once we brought Nala in to just be there uh, as a source of comfort and um, to increase his confidence and, and just... 
um, be therapeutic in that way. Uh, he sat on the floor smiling, laughing sometimes, which he rarely did. Um, petting her, talking to her, he just automatically opened up and really began to share his thoughts and feelings. Uh, and that way we could start to figure out what goals were important to him and what we needed to work on and what he wanted his parents to work on. And so it really just had a, an amazing effect on him and, and his process and, and just opening up and being able to move forward. So. Oh, that's great. That's great. And it makes me feel like there's that kind of that chemical endorphin release almost when, mm-hmm. when there's a dog around. It kind of just ignites that emotion, um, which is such a unique thing mm-hmm. um, that they're bringing to the table. So um, I want to make sure that um, we share with our listeners uh, before we end today on um, ways they can learn more about both the programs. So if a family wanted to learn more about a therapy dog session with Nala here in San Diego, um, they could certainly reach out to us at tagforgrowth.com. And um, now, Rick, if a family wanted to call, um, what is the best way to reach you? What is the best way? Is there a website or phone number? Or yeah, what do you through our website is the best way to contact us. Then we have all different kinds of you know, ways. So you can set up through our, our automated system to um, set up an appointment with Laura for the free chat. So that's, okay. that's gooddogautism.org. Okay. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. And if a family wanted to donate, um, would they just reach you through the website as well? Um, yeah, they reach contact us through the website, and then you know once they do that, we can you know arrange for a means for them to make a donation. And okay. We love that. Of course. <laughs> Send those donations in; they need them. <laughs> There's a high demand for their beautiful dogs. Um, okay, and um, Rick, I'd love it if you could just share your most memorable success story um, that you can think of over the years. <laughs> There's so many, but. Um, the the conversation we just had with with um, Tag and mm-hmm. you know we're clients of of Tag and and Catherine is our amazing um, therapist that we work with here and before that um, I'd come to a seminar with uh, I think it was Gail one of your other therapists right. and she was she was doing an RDI outreach type thing and then she found out that we had you know service dog she said oh well I've got you know client would you mind bringing Orbit in and we all mm-hmm. Orbit's our ambassador too he's not just <laughs> Elliot's service dog he also in the beginning became the good dog ambassador so we'd take him out to like the the taco picnics and all these other events and he would be you know everyone would come into the booth and pet him and of course he was great so um, Gail asked me to come to tag and <laughs> visit with one of these children this preteen boy he was bigger than preteen so um, I bring Orbit, and we're sitting in the lobby, and um, the double doors, or the door opens the lobby, and the mom sticks her face through, and she's like, are you Rick? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm the only one here in the lobby with the dog. And so, you know, so she comes in, she comes in, and behind her is big, this, her, her boy's really big, and he's behind her, like, peering out, you know, from behind her back, looking, okay, is he on the leash? Is he, is he, does he have him? Is he, is he secure? So he walks in, and he's super fearful, and um, long story short, over the 45-minute period, this boy went from, like, standing on the chair, mm-hmm. you know, in fear to laying on the floor with Orbit and having Orbit licking his face, eating out of his hand, petting him, and he didn't he didn't want it to end. The boy didn't want it to end. Oh, so that's just goodness. kind of a, a testimony to the, you know, how, how fast that process can, 
mm-hmm. can work. And oh. that, was, that was just an amazing. And the mom's jaw was on the floor. Oh, wow. my gosh. Oh, yes. It was so I cool. Mean, the was impact great. that you had on that child's life or that preteen's life is just incredible. Yeah. And, and so many lives. And, mm-hmm. you know, what a blessing to be able to be on this journey <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that you it didn't is, plan on yeah, being on. It, yeah, it is amazing. So, you know, we so appreciated all that time you would come and, and bring Orbit and, um, and help our clients and um, you know, I know they all appreciated it and just thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story. I want everybody to know about uh, Good Dog Autism Companions and with the many, you know, the many blessings that you're bringing to the community and, and beyond. And thank you, Catherine, so mm-hmm. much for being here as well. And um, we'll be back next uh, Tuesday at 11 o'clock and we hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you again for listening. Be sure to tune in to Therapeutic Approach to Growth and join Brooke Wagner again every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.